I want to go straight over to Stephen now. Stephen, good afternoon. Hi there, Casey. Good afternoon. Yeah, Stephen, I don't know. Were you listening to Kieran Cannon there and the news at one with Brian? I was, and I was listening to the coverage earlier about the appalling attack on himself and Minister Rabbit. Yes, just in case you were living under a stone, because you'd have to be to have missed the story today. Everybody's talking about it. This is the fact that um, somebody attended a public meeting in uh, Galway last night uh, and threw uh, two bags of excrement at uh, Kieran, one one at Kieran Cannon and the other at the uh, Minister of State, uh, Anne Rabbit. Um, and I say, Kieran Cannon was, I, I have to say, admirably calm in, in his reflecting on it today in terms of, you know, his concerns about what it would do to democracy. Like you've, you've been involved in politics yourself, Stephen, haven't you? Yes, I have. I've, I've worked previously as a government advisor. What did you think when you saw that story last night? I was appalled, uh, though to be honest, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, we live in a democracy and we challenge our politicians at the polling stations, not by these cowardly attacks. I mean, it was a bag of manure, but I mean, it must be horribly, a horrible thing to do to any person. Um, and also very frightening, I think, for the two individuals. I mean, I wouldn't like it thrown at me. I'm sure you wouldn't like it either or any of your listeners. But I mean, what's next? Is it going to be a brick? Is it going to be a syringe? I mean, we, we've seen, in, unfortunately, in the UK, where MPs have, have been murdered by people who called to their constituencies and at meetings. So I, I think it's a slippery slope, and it's, it's utterly a, a, an appalling behaviour. Now, thankfully, um, looking at social media, which I think is, is probably a cause of, of the rising um, um, violence against politicians, as most people do seem to be utterly against this and are, and, and, um, are, not, are, and are appalled by it, which I think most right-thinking people should be. And are. Do you, you said you think social media is, is actually at the back of, of this increase in, in uh, hostilities, if I put it that way, uh, against politicians. Do you? Yeah, unfortunately, and not just in Ireland. I think it's, it's, it's an effect we've seen in the last decade where there seems to be a growing acceptance of toxicity and, and violence against public representatives. I mean, people put stuff out, it's completely false, it makes people angry, and then it just whips them up. And I, 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 I just think it, it's appalling. If anything, it's unsocial or antisocial rather than social media. Now, obviously, and, and I mean, I think just before I say anything, we absolutely have to say it. I can't imagine any right-thinking person, as you put it, Stephen, condoning this kind of behaviour, this activity. It just seems, it's, you know, off the charts. But it is part of a continuum of, of, of uh, diff- you know, reactions to politicians. And I'm wondering where, I mean, is there a certain level where politicians, I mean, forever, I presume, at public meetings, politicians would have gotten maybe an aggressive response from from constituents who might be upset at some of their policies or, or indeed some of the things they haven't done. So at what level do we cross from, that's fair enough, because they're politicians, they put themselves out there, they're well paid and, um, you know, that's life, that's democracy. Where, where do you draw the line then? It's very simple and violence. I mean, any public public representative or people in the media or whatever, yes, there's no problem. I have no problem anyone coming up and debating with anybody and challenging their views or asking them why or putting their own viewpoints. But I think a line is when you, you turn to violence or assault. And in my view, throwing something at anybody is an assault. Um, as I said, what's next? It could be a brick. I mean, I think we are very lucky in Ireland, particularly compared to most other European countries. Our politicians, our national politicians and local politicians are very accessible to people, which is good. And I would hate to see us losing that. 
But on the other hand, you can't have people going into meetings unsure if someone's going to come up and punch them or, or throw a brick at them or throw manure at them or throw a syringe at them or whatever. Um, but what, I mean, that, I, that's obviously a very clear line. Sorry to cut across you, Stephen, but that's obviously a very clear line. Anything that involves, you know, when you go beyond, uh, you know, when you're touching on violence, any kind of a physical physical assault like that. But what about, you know, you mentioned social media. What about, uh, you know, abusive, uh, you know, tweets, abusive messages on Facebook? Is that fair enough? If, you know, if somebody is very angry and very upset about uh, some political policy, some party's policy is is should they be expected to to take that on the chin? No, I, I don't. I think people are fine when they ask questions and they, they they there's no problem saying they're angry or they disagree with somebody. But I think to threaten someone on social media, whether they go up to your face, no, we're not talking about threatening threaten either. You. Now we're just talking about abuse. You know, just kind of the general common or garden abuse. Because I, I think we can all accept tre- threatening behaviour. Uh, you know, aggro, uh, violence, all of that obviously is way over the line. But I'm just wondering where is that line? Like trolling, so you know, people- trolling. Yeah, definitely would have different views on what the word abuse means. I would certainly have no problem with robust debate. But um, well, uh, uh, abuse, when you start name-calling people or when you, as I said, start threatening people, I think is wrong. And quite interestingly, um, sometimes people who will do stuff online are, act completely different in person, which is, which is quite strange. And maybe that's a, question, a bigger question is why do some people who would go up to you or me and be quite polite and have a debate with us, but as soon as they're behind the keyboard, they seem to turn into a different person. You know, when Kieran Cannon said, as he said today on the news, that it gives him concern around the whole profession of politics. That... Yeah, I would absolutely agree with him. Um, and that's why would anyone want to subject themselves and more importantly the family to this um, and that's I think uh, it also might then restrict the access we have to our politicians as I mentioned earlier I think we're very lucky in Ireland our politicians are so accessible in other countries you don't have that and I would actually hate to see it going the way of other countries city the states where it's very difficult maybe to, to, to meet a congressperson or a senator but it's very easy in Ireland to do that and that would be a terrible shame I mean, I would view these attacks as, a, as an attack on our democracy, not only on the person themselves. Uh, will you hang on there, Stephen? I want to bring in uh, Robbie. Uh, Robbie, good afternoon. Hey, you, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Are you, you're not talking to me on speakerphone, Robbie, are you? No, no. OK. Uh, OK, so you, you were listening to Stephen there. Uh, Pleasure. What, what, what do you think about this? Um, well, as I said, uh, Richie there, that's, uh, I, I blame the government on a lot of this. Uh, I don't think it was right what, what was done to the two TDs. I wouldn't do it myself, actually. But I think uh, after COVID, the way they treated the people during COVID and other things that they were doing over the last three or four years, uh, like they're, bringing, they're torn, actually torn people again. them. Now, I, I, I'm not affiliated to no uh, uh, party, OK? Um I was often I was listening there this morning to a TD and he was on about um, housing, the health, this, that and the other. And I was just saying to myself, why wasn't he in there with Sinn Féin trying to make up a government that they're that good? And then when, then I heard this thing about these two TDs being attacked last night. Now, as I said to you, I wouldn't do it, but I can see a lot more of it happening and it might be just cowed on the next time. But... Are you, it kind of sounds like you're kind of saying it's understandable. Am I? Am I? Is that what you're saying? Well, well if you go back to COVID, 
Like, uh, the, the, the first thing the government should have done was closing uh, all the uh, airports and everything, but they wouldn't do that. They'd rather close, let everything go, people come and travel willy-nilly when they want it, and let the Irish people suffer again. And that's the way it was, and an awful lot of people uh, thought that way. I've seen it on, on Facebook every day, big time. Well, I mean, obviously, a lot of people had a lot of different views about how uh, COVID was managed by the government. So a lot of people supported them and a lot of people had issues with them. But yeah, well, but you, you'd, you'd still, Kate, yeah. Kate, you, you see, and wait till you see the next general election, who will support the government? I said it to my own local TD and said, I'm telling you, I never said, I, I, I'm involved in residence committees around the area and all, and I can see it the way people are changing. And I tell you this much, it's not for the government, unfortunately. Yeah, but, I mean, you were able to have that conversation with your local TD. Uh, and, I mean, the question that Kieran Cannon was raising is that will that sort of access and that sort of relationship between TDs and constituents, uh, will, that, will that be a victim of this now? Because people will be afraid. TDs will be afraid to go into public meetings if oh, this is the kind will, of thing yeah. they're facing into. Yeah, they probably will, like... Uh, uh, my TD, uh, uh, it's great. I, I, I can ring him or text him. It's grand. Um, well, our TDs, I don't think we'll be able to do it. And I, and I don't think it's right. But but again, you're kind of saying, I can see why this is happening. Like, do yeah, you, we can't see it. Where would, you, would, like, where would you draw the line? You say you wouldn't do this. What would you do? What do you think is acceptable in terms of letting politicians know that you don't like what they're doing? Well, the next time it comes to the door, that's that's what I'm going to do, and I won't be voting for any of them. Right, but that's I mean that's that's just fair enough. They're coming to ask your vote. You, you're letting them know. But you, I mean, what about having a go on social media? Would would or you know turning up at a meeting and having a go from the floor? Well, I often yeah. Well, I go to, I go to a meeting and I speak my mind. Well, I wouldn't show on that. Well, that's very big of you, Robbie. <laughs> Well, the last thing I'll be thinking of doing is throwing anything at anyone. I know. Uh, like, you, you, you can email your, your local TD. They're, they're there for, for on, on the public to get it. Go on the internet and, and you get them all. Right. Um, hang on, Robbie. I want to bring in, I've got Mary Cunningham on the line. Thanks, Robbie. Glad to be speaking to you and uh, all your listeners. The ballot box, there's no excuse for that behaviour in anybody. It's an absolute disgrace. Uh, and the debate or live line, where would we be without it? Uh, we can bring up the topics that, that, that uh, there's so many topics that your listeners have been on and Joe's listeners there in the last weeks. The 35 CF patients that should have got that new treatment. I don't, don't know exactly what the name of it is. That, that to me, but wouldn't warrant any violence. But we should be speaking up for the leg of that. And the nurses and doctors and the patients and that lady that spoke in the news at one, uh, we, we, we should be all united we stand and divided we fall. And, Mary, Mary. and we're going through bad times. But we have to, have to make sure that the people that deserve to get uh, and that are really crying out, such as hospitals, people without houses, uh, you name it. Uh, years ago, I was on the council 
And yeah, whenever yeah, yeah, Mary, any, I was, uh, sorry, sorry, Mary, to go across you. Sorry, to you, you, yeah. So you were you were a councillor yourself. So I'm next top four councillor, yes. And I'm 80 years of age. I'm a wheelchair user, also, uh, Katie. So I've been through the times. I'm not mobile, and uh, I actually need hoist as well. And I know what it is for. I'd be still in contact with the people via phone and coming to see me and chatting. And we know how, how much the ordinary people are hurting out there in the community, and uh, especially people with disabilities. And Anne Rabbit, Rabbit in particular, have been following her career. Uh, and she strikes me uh, uh, as one very conscientious, uh, not uh, nothing to do with her politics, but she strikes me as a very hard worker, and that's the disgrace for like that to happen. Uh, could you, could you, that, Mary, Mary, could could you ever imagine I, that I, I happening like in your time? Like to be dealing with them, I'll tell you, Mary, could you ever imagine that happening in your time? No, I could not. And what I used to do years ago, I'm not talking about me, there's plenty like plenty of counsellors, but when you went out to the shops and getting your bits and pieces, the people that had little problems come over to you and you spoke to them and ordinary, ordinary people like yourself and uh, there were never that, right, there'd be debate. Uh, uh, and I've seen a person, uh, a different party, uh, uh, and her own party was giving me a bit of a hard time and she she got up and uh, told told uh, the man and told him not to speak to anybody like that. And if they had been in time for the meeting, he'd be in the chair. I was acting chair at that time. No, United we stand by before Katie. And uh, Liveline, I admired. That's why I never miss a program. Never, except I'm extremely sick or that. Uh, because what's relevant in our community, what the people are worrying about, they get the chance to bring it across. And I'll tell you, there's plenty of representatives of the politicians listening in and telling them what the hot topic was in was on on the particular day. And there are a few I've named, and people with disabilities. There's a crisis at the moment. The, the, the nurses, the CF. I could have cried for those 35 uh, people uh, that can't get it. That is blatantly wrong. Yeah. It doesn't want throwing it at anybody. But and, and may, the may or listening. But Mary, you know, when you see, but can I just say to you, Mary, when you see some, as you say now, you just mentioned that case that that was on, that Joe Joe was talking about uh, last week, the a case that's blatantly wrong and, and, and you know if it was your child if it was your child that was waiting that's the way I put it think I about that right and how would you she, feel she, then no, if you were confronted to a reward. sure and but, I'd always have a special yeah, interest sure. enemy in the sense of fair play with people with disabilities and no, but crying ma- with them like, they're entitled to their rights and 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 they're entitled to the Cinderella I believe of all the parties uh, people with disabilities uh, Anne Rappel's position it should be a full ministerial post and it should be prioritised and another, an awful lot of other wrongs should be prioritised Mary, But Mary can I just put you then if it was your child and I always try and you, you think about it that way that if it was your own child your, uh, particularly something like that that was yeah. suffering that needed uh, a, some political change made and wasn't being done and you were confronted with a person who could do that like is it understandable that there is levels of anger that are you know hard to control well it, it would be a breaking point certainly I hope I would, would would not resort to any sort of that type of 
surveillance and speech. And then there's a lot of people are, are, are nervous about public speaking. And you have to feel that there's some of the voices, that there should be a voice there for them and help them, help them to get their rights. And there are a the whole lot of those rights. Plus, we could put many, many more. And there's plenty of shoes. I can't walk in them. But plenty of shoes out there, if they walked in them, they wouldn't put up with half what's going on. But I have to condemn that that happened to Anne Rabbit and Keane, whoever the man Cannon. Yeah. Cannon, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Katie, you're doing a great job there. We have to thank you. Joe was safe doing bits and pieces and we want him back. But I think you're a good duo and, and, and I'm delighted, privileged to talk to you. Thank you very much, Mayor. Delighted to talk to you as well. Take care of yourself. <laughs> uh, can I bring Sean in now? Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. Sean, uh, you were following this debate as well about what happened in Galway. Well, from your uh, uh, programme and from Brian Dobson there, I, mm-hmm. I just caught up on it uh, there today. And um, it doesn't surprise me, Casey, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but doesn't it? Ways. It doesn't surprise you? No. Why not? Because I think in in general society has lost its way. Uh, there's they're crying out for proper leadership, I think, to a certain degree. Uh, tolerance is gone. Uh, that was always given to people uh, is fast decaying, if not practically gone as well. And uh, why do you think that is, Sean? I, I think there's no respect for authority coming into society. And um, I like I'm I'm 70 years of age, and I I have seen huge huge changes in how society is reacting to different things. And there is a you know there is a culture of, of entitlement really. You know, I, I'm working since 16 and a half years of age. I got nothing from nothing from nobody, but that's beside the point. Um, People, people want now what they want yesterday. They don't want it tomorrow. They don't want to wait. And I think they're taking it out on politicians now. There is political parties, and there's a structure there by which everybody can join a political party. And I, I, I think that's that would be the way forward if they want to change society. Because everybody is entitled to dignity and respect. I'm not backing up politicians in any way. They have made wrongs, been a lot, lots of wrongs. They bought courts there in, in uh, a neighbour very, very near me, and uh, all of that that don't have to be trash. I was going to, Sean, Sean, your line is going a bit honest there. I might just hang on to you for a second. We'll take a break if we can do that and we'll see if we can fix up uh, your line. We'll come back after these. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. And we were talking to Sean there just before the break. Sean, are you still with us? Yeah, I've been or whatever you call it. Um, yeah, I'm still with you there. All right, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you were saying, you were saying you think that there's a sense of entitlement out there and that this is going through the whole of society now. I, I, I think so, yeah. I, I think so. Like, the church is practically gone, you know. Um, that, that was a great part of uh, 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 authority. 
Um, security of the state now is probably under a certain amount of attack as well because of no respect for um, security security officers. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's a breakdown in society. Um, you have... You have lots of you have lots of things. I mean, you, you don't have to go into it too much, but society is after changing completely. But, the, but Sean, will I put to you that every single generation thinks the the the, the, the generation that came after them has gone to the dogs? Well, <laughs> is that I, not the way? Would your parents have not had the same issues? Uh, you know, forty or fifty years ago, looking at your generation. Well. I, I mean, just to, to talk to a person now on the street or to ask him a, a question or if you want directions, there's a silence. There's a certain amount of afraidness after coming into society. Uh, I don't think people are. They, I don't think people are in, in a safe frame of mind, um, and, and that's. I think that's due to. A, a breakdown of the, the fabric of society over the last probably 20 or 30 years. Um, something has, and it's not after being checked. Now, politicians played into that to a certain degree with the collapse of the banks and the bailouts and all of that. But that's 13 years ago. Um, and, and there was health issues, uh, yeah. the Department of Health, you know, all of those things. But my central plank of, of, of criticism is that there's, there's no real leadership being shown in, in what's right and what's wrong. And there is, there is things that are wrong and there's things that are right. And it, it's, it's the people, it's, it's people that are trying to live a decent uh, life. I think they are being punished more than the people that are committing crimes and uh, uh, offences against people. And, and that, that people are seeing that, seeing that happen in the courts. And that's where there's a breakdown as well. Yes. They're seeing people coming out on 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 bail and uh, 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 you know committing other crimes. So that, that that's that's society somewhat gone mad from the judiciary as well, from the very highest offices that we we have here. Okay, Sean, I let you go. That line isn't fantastic. So, thank but it, you we very, thank very you. I think we got a good gist of what you what, what you were trying to get across, thank Sean. You very we much appreciate for up with me. And <laughs> I, I, I wish you well. We'll put up with you any time, Sean. I, Please I call well, again, and I Katie, wish you well. I, I, I appreciate it, and I, I, I wish you very, very well. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very, very much. Uh, now, I want to go to a different um, a different story entirely. Uh, but a really important one, I think. I want to bring in uh, Lee. Lee, good afternoon. Hello there. Uh, Lee, you are, uh, you were born, um, at the, at your mother took uh, thalidomide when, when she was pregnant with you and you are a thalidomide survivor. Yes. So tell me just very, on a general outline, what kind of disabilities did that leave you with? Okay, I don't have arms or legs. I do have little feet and little hands and um, I use a powered wheelchair to get around um, I have worked since I was 17. I just retired there, actually, in November. Um, so um, it, that's the disability that I have. It's never held me back from doing very much. Um, 
I have have been married twice, I have two children and I drive. Right, fair play to you. My God. So you and you've only just retired yourself. Yep. Um, Okay. and where do you live? In uh, West Limerick. Right. In 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 a rural area? Yeah, in a village in West Limerick. Right. Okay. so driving is obviously then very important. Absolutely essential. Right. Okay. So, how have you been getting around up until this issue? I started driving when I was seventeen. I'm sixty now. Um, I've always driven. uh, Well, my vans are heavily modified for me to drive. Um, The last car that I had, I had to get rid of it after nine years because it was a Chrysler, and they don't make Chryslers in Europe anymore. And it was starting to give me. Uh, a bit of bother so I thought now's the time before something major happens because it takes almost a year to get a car modified for me Explain to me because I'm trying you you have no arms and no legs My arms are about five inches long my legs are about five inches long and I have hands with three fingers on each side and um, my feet are turned upside down um, I have five toes in each foot. Right. I'm just trying to picture how, like, what kind of modification. Can you maybe describe to us how you do manage to drive a car with that, that kind of a level of disability? Sure. The van that I have at the moment um, is a Caravelle, a Volkswagen Caravelle. And I have a lift on the side door that I get onto. I use a remote that I work with my fingers to get me up and down on the lift. Um And then I park the chair behind the driver's seat. The driver's seat has six switches, sorry, three switches on it. One moves the seat up and down. One turns it at a 45-degree angle to let me get on it and then turns it back to the steering wheel. And the other one pulls it back and forward from the wheel. So um, I have that. I have hand controls. Um, I push down for the accelerator and away for the brake. It's beside the steering wheel. I have a modification on the gear selector. It's an automatic, but you still have to put it in reverse or drive. So I have um, a, a thing on it. And I also have the ignition on a little box on the door because I can't reach the ignition. Right. So, as you say, that is a very significant amount of modifying that needs to be done to to allow you to drive that car. Absolutely. And they don't do that in Ireland anyway. Well, there's nowhere in Ireland that I've found that can do those modifications for me. Um, so I have always used a company just north of London to do the modifications because, and I feel comfortable with them, I feel safe with them. Um and it's very important to feel safe when you're using the hand controls because if the hand controls fail on you, you've nothing to stop the car. So um, it's very important for me to feel safe and comfortable in what I'm driving. Um, so I don't have any choice but to go outside of Ireland to get my van. On top of that, because everybody's going mad on electric cars now, Electric vehicles cannot be used by wheelchair users because the batteries take up most of the underfloor space. 
And so you cannot drill down in to put in a lift or a ramp or any other modifications that need drilled into the floor for. And you can't flatten the floor out. I don't think many disabled people really understand that yet. Um, But in 10 years, it's going to even affect the buses that take people to their services if technology doesn't catch up. But, you know, Mm. being disabled and being left behind is nothing unusual in Ireland. Indeed. Uh, OK, so you, you need a new car. There is only a couple of options that would could be modified in the way you need them. And the one you opted for was uh, a Volkswagen Caravelle, is it? Yes. Uh, which is grand. grand. You bought it, uh, yeah. got it modified in, in this place that you trust in uh, just north of London, uh, brought it back home uh, last October, was it? Yeah, Maybe. the end of October. And uh, there is, of course, if you bring a car in from the UK, everyone will know that you do have to pay VRT. Absolutely. Now, um, the, what I did was before I went over for the car, I contacted the Disabled Drivers and Passengers Scheme in Monaghan. I explained to them what I was doing. Um, they got me to send in the paperwork, the receipts and stuff like that. And they approved me to get, if you have a significantly modified van or car, you can get up to 22,000 um, off the VAT, VRT. But when I brought the van into Ireland, because, imagine my shock, I took it to the VRT centre in Limerick and they put everything in the computer. He said to me, you'll get a text in a few days, come back and we'll get the the Irish licence plate sorted out for you. Mm-hmm. And I said, right, great. I got the text a few days later. I took the van straight back in that morning. He took the paperwork away from me again, went to his office. He came back and he said to me, I can't get you uh, registered in Ireland because you owe us 23,000 on VAT for this van. 23,000 euro. On top of the 22,000 that they apparently took off me for VRT for importing the car. So that was, you You were you got that exemption because it was a modified car. Yep. But there was still an outstanding 23,000 that had yep. to be paid. Which is ridiculous. Now there's only, there, there are some people, but there's only, as far as I, I've been trying to do my homework for the last two months, and as far as I can figure out, there's only a handful of people who have to bring their vehicles in from the UK. But the other option is, of course, go to the likes of Germany or that, and I certainly wasn't going to drive back from Germany. That would be way beyond my capabilities. Um, so, you know, I didn't have any choice. The government didn't leave me any choice. The, the option is just not there for me. And now they're trying to tell me that I owe them an additional €23,000, which I'm not paying. But what what are you going to do? I mean... Well, what will happen is that one of a couple of things will happen. Legally and technically, the guards can seize my van now because it's been in the country more than 30 days. I don't think that any guard would be so nasty as to put a wheelchair user out on the side of the road and seize their van. I really can't see that happening. Um, The second option is I may be taken to court and I'll happily go to court because I feel as though, once again, 
disabled people are being treated as second-class citizens. It's not only me this affects. For any other aids and equipment that a person with a disability needs, there is no VAT on it. Yeah, it's... it's I, I so it's... why it's on the vehicles, I don't know. And speaking of, and I, like, I am not giving an opinion on this, but the first person that I contacted about this was Anne Rabbit's office. And their office blatantly said it has nothing to do with us, yet she chairs the Transportation Committee. For disabilities? For, yes. Yeah. Um, so then I, well, I tried to contact over the last, over a month, I've tried to contact the Department of Finance. Nobody answers the phone there, guys. If you're listening to the show, answer your damn phones. <laughs> Nobody has answered the phone in the doyle in no. the Department of Finance. And I have tried three times a day, pretty much every day up to Christmas week, and then this week as well. Well, I think we did actually manage to get through to the department today, so well, uh, there's somebody Canadian. there if you want to come. Well, don't hang up yet, but after this no. you might try again. But just to let you know, uh, the Revenue uh, Press Office uh, said that they had responsibility for administering the drivers and passengers with disabilities scheme uh, on behalf of the Department of Finance. But they say that revenue is responsible for implementing the tax legislation in place. Decisions on tax policy, including any changes to existing tax policy, and of course this is about the VAT, are a matter for the Department of Finance and the Oireachtas. So then we did went on then to the, to the Department of Finance And I have here a a full page uh, of a statement from the Department of Finance. And honestly, I have read it four times. And it is uh, it is very hard to um, get a handle on what they're saying. I'll just give you a sense of it. And I'm sure you've you've been given a version of this or you've heard a version of this. They're saying that we're told initially the minister... This is the Minister for Finance. Uh, that's Michael McGrath now. The Minister is committed to a comprehensive review of the DDS, which is the Disabled Driver Scheme, to include a broader review of mobility supports. And then it goes on that in order to achieve this, there's been, uh, it would be incorporated into the work of the National Disability Inclusion Strategy, that is the NDIS, uh, Transport Working Group, TWG, it tells me. As part of the engagement in this process, the Department of Finance established an information gathering criteria so group, that's the CSG. Its membership, we're told, is comprised of former members of the DDMBA, if you're wondering what that is, that is the Disabled Drivers Medical Board of Appeal, and the PMOs, which are principal medical medical officers, principal medical officers in the HSC. And it goes on that there's reviews, there's this, there's that. But ultimately, it says that uh, in relation to the argument that the scope of the Disabled Drivers Scheme should be broadened, the Minister does not believe that this is either feasible or credible as any change or expansion of eligibility criteria for the Disabled Driver Scheme would still require an individual to prove they meet the criteria. Well, absolutely, and I have no problem proving that. I'll send him a photograph if he wants. I have no problem going up to Dublin. If I have to, and if necessary, even though it's the middle of the winter, I'm quite prepared to go up to Dublin, chain myself to the railings outside the Doyle. Um, I have a set of handcuffs ready to do that, and I am prepared to do that and sit out for until I either freeze to death uh, well, we or until they do something, because it's absolutely ridiculous. First of all, now not myself, but for many people with disabilities, they live on like €188 Euro a week. And they expect somebody to pay 23000 
on top of the 85000 that the van cost with the modifications. And I, like, it's not that I am mega wealthy, but this is an absolute necessity. And that's why my other car was nine years old before I changed it. Now, it's not only affecting me, but it only affects a handful of people who have to bring their van in. Now, if somebody in Ireland actually modified a van to the standard that I need then and was able to get me a Volkswagen van, then I wouldn't have to do this. Now, Volkswagen, I got one of the very last diesel Volkswagen vans because um, they've all, Volkswagen has completely changed over to electric now without giving a second thought to people with disabilities. So, like, you know, while this, people may be listening and say, oh, well, sure, that doesn't affect me. Ten years' time, guys, you won't even be able to go to day service because all of those vans will not be able to be modified either. Lee, I, can I just say, Lee, please, do not please go chaining yourself to any railings outside of the door. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> we a, we will not be... come to that, please God. But can I just say... I mean, I'm just looking at this statement here. They're saying the final line, the minister hopes these proposals, this is all the things that are going to come out of these working groups and criteria subgroups and all that, that they will receive due consideration in the Transport Working Group's final report. So what we're basically told is they're waiting for a report to look at criteria. But you're saying this... This has nothing to do with that because no. you are you are eligible. We know that you've gotten yeah. you've already gotten a, a waiver on a part of this. What you're saying is that they cannot you cannot pay the twenty three thousand euro under these no. circumstances. And you shouldn't have to. Like you know, there's only a handful of people that I know of that like less than ten that I know of that have to bring their vans in from the UK. This is very discriminatory because what the government is like eight years ago or nine years ago when I brought my van in, I had the same problem because at that time, um, disabled drivers, if you drove yourself, you were only allowed 9,525 euro back. But if you were using a van, one of the day service vans, or if you were a passenger and having to get somebody else to drive you, you were entitled to 16000 back. And I brought that up with, then it was Michael Noonan, who was the Minister for Finance, and I brought that up to him. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing it. And I know other people were pushing it as well. And eventually, they added on a third category where if your vehicle was significantly modified, you could get back up to €22,000. Because it, it's it's all extremely discriminatory. And I think that, number one, none of the ministers ever have had to drive a modified van. And do any of their families have to get a heavily modified van? Not that I know of. I could be wrong there. The second thing is that... You know, there's a handful of people, they're talking about this massive windfall of 23 million or whatever it is that went into the Exchequer. Like, this is a a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. Now, I have no problem if if they took away the VRT for me to bring the van into the country. I could no problem paying the other thousand that I would owe them that would bring it up to the 23000 for my vehicle. But I am not 
even going to try to pay 23000 on top of a vehicle that I have had to pay 85000 is for. There, is there going to be an issue with insuring this van, though, down the line, if you don't pay it? Oh, there will be, because come next October, I'll not be able to get insurance. Um, the thalidomide people in the UK, and I was born in the north of Ireland, so I would be part of them, um, the thalidomide people in the UK are having a conference in May, which I would love to attend because I've never been able to go before because I've been working. Mm-hmm. And I cannot take my van out of the country because I'll not be allowed to bring it back in. Oh, I, I just, I, I, I just, I just feel like you have overcome the most extraordinary challenges in life to, you know, live a full life totally independently, asking nobody for, for anything. And no. I, it's this is just extraordinary. The only thing that I have that I get off the government is nine hours PA service week. That's the only thing that I get. I worked for the last eight years as a confidential recipient in the HSE, advocating for people with disabilities. I advocated for over 1,500 people with disabilities. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. It gets old being treated second class, third class, not even second class, as a third class citizen. It's like you have a disability the more significant your disability, the less respect you have and the less you're entitled to. I can even hear it in your voice now, Lee. It's like, it must be just exhausting. Is that like it, it, it's 60 years I fought every day. I go out of the house, I get comments from people because I do look different. I, I do, definitely. But like, you know, you get comments, you get... Um, the government, they don't want to know. The only one that, the only two people that I have ever respected in the Irish government was Dan Neville from Limerick here. He was in it for the people, not for himself. And Finian McGrath, who was the last... Disabilities Minister himself. Disabilities. Finian's door was always open for anybody with a disability. They could call up he would arrange, or his advisors would arrange a time for a meeting, and that would be it. I went and supported many people up at the Doyle visiting Finian. I have asked for the last month and a half, I've sent Michael McGrath several emails. I actually called the Department of Transportation, Eamon Ryan's office, uh, twice this week, and you know what his staff told me? This office has nothing to do with transportation. And I said, so who's the minister deals with transportation? Well, it's Minister Ryan. And I said, well, you do have something to do with transportation. And do you not? His own staff didn't even know that. The Department of Finance, like I was saying, I have no idea what they are saying because they wouldn't answer the phone. I have asked for, I asked several times now. I've had no response from anyone either on email or the phone. Um, I I have asked several times now would I be able to meet with one of their advisors to explain the situation to them properly for them to get a proper handle on what is actually happening to somebody who's a real disabled person sitting in front of them? Yeah. I've had no response at all from anybody. That's the government that we have. They get in, they don't want to know. 
Niall Collins, who is our TD here, Niall contacted the revenue commissioners and they were just, well, she's got her 22,000, shows us 23 on top of that. Would you hang on, Lee? I want to bring in Marion, uh, who I think knows you. Marion, good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Kitty. Um, um, Lee would probably may remember me. Um, this Marion Kane and Corkley. Um, I, yes. You you had done. Um, you helped me with different things when you were working when I was at my lowest, and I'm absolutely appalled at what is happening to you. And I can assure you, if you want any help, I'll get on a train with my white stick, no problem, and I'll meet you. And we will go to Dolairn because we, that's the only way, by speaking up. And I fought for people with disabilities when I had guide dogs. And um, I know you say their remarks have been passed to you. I've had remarks uh, passed to me uh, on different occasions, you know, as um, why why uh, did I have a saddle on my guide dog? I was asked another time uh, to cover my eyes from somebody standing at a bus stop and I just told them, look, I'll educate you, I can't see, so is it a crime? Is that a crime? And they said it'd be best if I don't like looking at somebody. Well, I said, if you don't, just don't do it. But I said, you've no right to come up and speak to me and just... Uh, that is just a total stranger at a bus stop. Said they didn't a, a total stranger at yeah, a bus stop. Yeah, they just stop. walked up to me and they they just asked me what's wrong with your eyes and I said pardon, what's wrong with my eyes? Why um, are are my eyes supposed to look in a particular way or anything? Oh no, I just I'm just worried. Like, might it be better for you to cover them? And I said no. Why should I cover them? My eyes are the way they are. I'm not embarrassed about them. And they said, oh, look, would, it might be better for you because then people won't be... Well, I said, people shouldn't be judging me. I said, I cannot see. So I said, that isn't a crime. And I I have a disability and it's an ability to do things. And I just said, look, I don't like you being offensive, but I said, maybe you should educate yourself and all of this. And they they just were just kept suggesting I should wear glasses and why wouldn't I wear glasses and I said I don't want to don't need them and Marion have you been blind all your life no I lost us there through glaucoma but there is an eyesight problem in my family but I have fought for you know uh, things down through the years as I say I got an environment health card brought in uh, when uh, when Fianna Fáil government Michael Smith back long ago that's a a good while back now Marion yeah and I must say that Lee has done Tremendous work and and like to to be at this crisis in her life, it's just truly appalling. And she's a very dignified person, um, you know. And to, to have to be put through this and for all the work that she has done, I just say from the bottom of my my heart, thank you very much, Lee. But if you need any help uh, or support, I mean, I would be more than willing, and I would sit out overnight because. Uh, principle is we are the forgotten people 
and sometimes you feel like as if you're being treated like a second-class citizen, but it shouldn't be that way, and uh, we won't let it be that way. We have to, you know, you have to talk out loud, you know. Well said, Marion. Speaking of working groups, the, the, the government set up a working group in 2012 to look at, um, they took away um, the grant that people could get, and there was only a, a small number of people getting it, the grant that people could get to modify their vehicles. They took that away with the understanding that it would be replaced by something better within a year. So forgive me if I'm a little apprehensive about this, but it's now 2023 and it has never been replaced, which has put a lot of disabled people off the road. Yeah, but I heard yesterday that the Minister for Finance stated that he was going to be putting about two billion away for a rainy day. Sorry, Minister, we need a rainy day. The rainy day is here now. People, you know, need um, help. So, like, to take money out of that now, you know, that two billion, that would, you know, give you support, lead uh, to live your life independently, and maybe other people as well. I'm sorry, we, the rainy day is here, and the minister needs to wake up. And I think they're out of touch with people, and it's just very frustrating. Well, they're totally out of touch because. Like, if they were genuinely in government for the people, then there would be not an open-door policy, but they would certainly answer their phone to start with. And there would also be a policy where you could actually, if you had a good enough reason, you could actually organize a meeting and meet with them. Um, that is not the case. That is definitely not the case on any of them, including the Minister for People with Disabilities. That is definitely not the case. Well, the I've moment. asked several times for meetings, and you know, I've rang different departments, and you just get moved from one to the other, and you're told the policy well, I was is. Put from the Department of Finance to the Department of Transportation to the Revenue Commission. Back to the Department of None Finance of them know again. what they're doing, and this no. is the problem. And it's all red tape, and they're just putting obstacles in the way of people. And like, it's okay, Mar- Marion, I'm sorry to cut across you, but yeah. I'm being told I absolutely have to take a break okay, um, okay, because Lee. I have a Good number luck, to go. Uh, Listen, Lee, thank you for and, that. We'll put that out there. And if you do it, Lee, I will be up there with you, and we'll do it. Okay, you have the okay. cavalrys coming over the hill, okay. Lee. Uh, best of luck. We'll, 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 keep, we'll keep an eye on this and we will come back to it because uh, uh, we need to know what is happening with that and the pressure that you're under, Lee. We'll take a break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And I want to bring in Patricia now. Patricia, good afternoon. Hi, Katie. Patricia here, yeah. You were listening to uh, Lee and Marion there now, you, you're not disabled yourself. No, but very good friend is. Yeah, and you were down at the, I was going to say famous, should I be saying infamous Dunleary Baths? Yeah, I, I wouldn't even call it baths, Katie. It's a walkway. Well, the, the, yeah, this the is the baths, issue, isn't it? Yeah. Baths were. Yeah. OK, so, so what, we were told that we were going to get these new uh, 18 million euros spent to... Uh, bring back the Dunleary baths. But what was unveiled, as we all know now, uh, was a kind of a concrete walkway. Yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? It's a catastrophe. 
but a, a, the specific issue for your friend who has My a disability. My specific issue is that she's on a walking frame. She had a stroke, but she's not someone who's sort of not, not ready to be brave. And I, I had been away, so I didn't hear all the hoo-ha when people were celebrating the opening of the bath. So she said to me that the disabled access is non-existent, and I thought, I, I really, I couldn't believe that. So I went down with her, with my phone, and I, I sent you in the video of the photographs of her trying to navigate the disabled walkway. And the irony is that at the top of the first, before she takes a step onto it, there's a sign there with an exclamation mark, steep slope. That's what it says, at the disabled walkway. Yeah, I sent you in the photographs that the, at the top of the disabled walk, there's a big sign with a yellow triangle and an exclamation mark and written underneath is steep slope. So basically like a danger, a warning. It's too, it's, nobody on a wheelchair could, could manage it. She, the day after we were there, she was down there again looking at us and there was a woman trying to push a wheelchair up and she was the pusher and she couldn't manage it and another person came along and gave her a hand. But so that means if you were if you didn't have somebody pushing you with a wheelchair, you were totally you'd, goosed. There's you'd no be way. Stuck. Yeah, you're stuck. So there, there, there's this, there's the steep slope signs. There's a few of those. Then there's the incoming tide slopes. So the walls aren't high enough to protect you from getting sloshed. Then when we went down to the area where the old baths were, I gather it's covered in a lid of concrete in case they ever get the money to open up the baths. That was covered in seaweed. Now I have my full mobility, but I found that dangerous. Yeah, very because slippy, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I really what I've, what we've done now is because I wasn't sure if you were coming back to me. We've gone down. We've got uh, we've ordered a copy of the planning permission. So I'm taking that to an architect to see what was actually asked for, and what was got, because somebody who would be in any way familiar with disabilities wouldn't have designed this this way. I like would have imagined, though. After another, Katie. but but is there not? I mean, there surely must be basic criteria if you're putting uh, a public amenity in, you're spending public money, that there would have to be disability access. I would have thought that would be a very basic requirement. But, but this, this this is the disability access, and the first sign on it is steep slope. Oh, look! I've been actually, I actually have been handed a statement that we, we did get from uh, Dunleary County Council. Yeah. And um, it says, a spokesman for Dunleary Rathdown County Council acknowledged that the ramp is not accessible for some and said it will be rectified when phase two of the project is complete. The recently opened Dunleary Baths represents the completion of the first phase of a larger project. This is what we keep hearing. Um, this second phase already has planning permission and tender documents are currently being prepared which will allow for construction to commence. The site is now that is now open consists of facilities at street level, mid level, um, street level and mid level areas are fully accessible. Okay. No, not for disabled persons. You're saying not. no. The mid level areas no. you're saying are no, not she accessible. She said to me herself, she wouldn't go down there on her own. And this is somebody who walks down 92 steps in White Rock to go for a swim regularly all through the year. She does it on a stick. Right. So, like, so she's it's, not it's somebody not like, who's, yeah, exactly. No, she's, she's, not, she's not a chicken or a nervous person. And I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on disabled people. I'm really, really angry that disabled people have been treated with such disrespect again. Because all, all new buildings are meant to have disabled access. And there was this big hoo-ha 
and all the money spent on it. And it's taxpayers' money, like it's your money and mine. Well, that's the point. That is the point. And I'm just looking at a temporary ramp has been put in place. It's, it's, they're talking about the lower level now in this statement. The lower level is not fully accessible yet. It says a temporary ramp has been put in place to provide some level of access, they say. But the, the council, temporary ramp is too steep. The council steep. acknowledges, yeah, it says the council acknowledges this ramp is steep in places, is what they say. Well, every single lap of it is marked steep slope. I sent you in the pictures. What, what was it? I mean, I, 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 I know and I've, I have seen uh, some uh, photographs and I've seen it from a distance. I haven't been down it myself now, down, down into, the, down into the, the sea level. But was it a case of, is it, would it be possible, do you think, to build a ramp, you know, of, with an appropriate level of steepness or, under the circumstances? Or Well, I'm not an, I'm not yeah. an architect or a, a builder, but but they, they have to do something about what's there at the moment because it's highly unsuitable and they've wasted taxpayers' money on it. Will you hang on? I just I still have Marion and I still have Lee who tell... Have you, have you seen this, Lee? Because I know there was some um, talk about it online. Um, uh, d- is it OK if I come in here? Yes, please. OK. Um, I saw um, a video that... Uh, a friend of mine put up, he's a wheelchair user, he lives there, and it was absolutely appalling. But in, to say the same as that lady who was speaking a moment ago, there's nothing new in disabled people being treated as second-class citizens. We're not part of this country. We vote. We're obviously charged taxes, but we we it, we don't matter. You know, it'll, they'll think about us as an afterthought every single time. You know, it doesn't surprise me that something is not accessible because if disabled people were employed at a higher level in the Department of Finance, in the county councils, in all of these kind of positions, then they would know they were doing the wrong thing before they actually did it. But because 75% of people with disabilities are not employed, including those who have a third level education, how are they supposed to know any better? Because they're afraid to employ us and they don't want us out of the house or obviously driving. So, you know, why why would anybody be surprised by this? Yeah, yeah. Marion, would you agree that this is, uh, this is part of the problem, is it that is you don't have people with disabilities making the decisions? It is because they should have people uh, with disabilities employed so that they they can know then. But they just don't. Uh, uh, it's just impossible. They just see people with disabilities or they can't do the job. Well, you know, they don't give them a chance. And this what frustrates me in Cork City here where I live. Uh, when I go into town with an assistant, it's absolutely chaos for me to do mobility, to try and manoeuvre my, my way around. And I brought it to the attention of, you know, uh, people. This street furniture um, outside restaurants, I was walking on a narrow footpath and literally had to go out onto the road. And I just, it just came to my mind, what, and I even said it to my assistant, I said, what would a person in a wheelchair have to do there? Because there was tables, it was a narrow uh, space, and we shouldn't have to be doing the like of this. But 
I just feel that this world is just for just if you have a disability, well, you don't belong to this this world now. It's you're just uh, forgotten about them when you. Yeah. Do you think things have improved a bit, though, Marion? Do you think we are slowly coming to well, realise? Slowly, but not not enough because like technology and everything. Like for instance, there at at when you're getting buses and everything like that, they have these poles now where where it tells you the time of the next bus. But what good is that to someone that can't see it? If I was there at the bus stop on my own, sure, I mean, um, they should have some facility, maybe something, technology that you could press a button and something, you know, uh, uh, telling you or something like that. Even a lot of the traffic lights, uh, yeah, they do bleep, but the most of them don't bleep. And we're, we're, we're just trying to live independent lives and trying to get out but it's just been frustrated by, and these, you know, county councillor and councillors and all this, they should come and live in, in the day or let, let somebody go in there, meet with them, sit down and just tell them. Or maybe, you know, at one time there, um, there was a producer there in RT, Aidan Stanley. He mm-hmm. came around the streets of Cork with me and he was prepared to even be blindfolded to try to comprehend you know, it's just that it's frustrating. And, in, you know, we're in 2023 now. And, like, for the younger uh, generation of people with disabilities, I know there might be progress, but it's just not happening enough. I know, but, and I mean, it's extraordinary, really, because, and I know, Patricia, you, you, you'll come in on this. So many of us have somebody in our lives that has a that has a disability that are you know dealing with these challenges and that you are you know helping them through these. Katie, Katie if, I, if I may just say to you, yeah. I've walked behind my friend with the walker down Main Street, John Leary, and the extent to which, and she's not a small woman, mm-hmm. like she'd be five six, five eight, and she doesn't bend over; she stands up as as, as straight as she can under the circumstances. I've walked behind her down the street. And it's extraordinary the extent of people that people just don't see her. They actually don't see her. And how do you mean? Do they bump into her or? Oh yeah, They're I have that done to me each as other. Well. It's just a, a complete blindness. Um, that that they're just in their own little bubbles. They're on their phones or they're talking yeah. to their friends. And um, I'm quite vocal. I, I never learned to whisper as my children would testify. <laughs> but, so I will say, excuse me, and and they'll kind of look at you. Then what do you want? It's, it's, and I, I don't think people mean to be unhelpful. They're just completely bubbled up in their own world. Well, and it's only people are actually afraid, I think, of people with disabilities. It's almost like it's contagious. But I have to tell you guys that we are a community. We're we're a minority in the country, but we are an open minority, and you can join our ranks at any time. And we would welcome you with open arms, but you you wouldn't want to join our ranks. But an, an accident can happen to anybody. An illness Absolutely. can happen to anybody. You can get yep. a disability tomorrow. And what mm. the government doesn't realize is that this could affect any one of them. If they live long enough, it will affect any one of them. And so they should no be looking out for themselves and their own families as well as everybody else at this stage in their lives. And making things better for people with disabilities. As for me, and I just want to say this um, while I have the chance, um, I would be happy 
if I could get a meeting with any of the departments that are involved in the problems that I have, I would be very, very welcoming of a meeting, even with any of the advisors, because I know that the ministers, I'm not way important enough for them to meet with me, but any of their advisors, I would well, be happy with that. So we're talking about then uh, Roderick O'Gorman? He's uh, has he has got something there. You've got Anne Rabbit. Yeah, I'm just going through who, what for the various because there is there does seem to be this does seem to cut across an awful lot of um, various portfolios. So you've got, as I say, Roger O'Gorman in the Department of Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth. Then you would have, as we say, Minister McGrath in the Department of Finance and um, uh, Minister of State Anne Rabbit. She's chairing this working group that we're hearing about that's going to re- produce a report shortly. So we, we'll just put that out there for you again, Lee, on the National Airwaves. Uh, all of these uh, ministers have many advisors. And, uh, if any of them would be available. Or Eamon Ryan as well. Or Ryan. Oh, let's not forget um, the Department Eamon of Transport. Is the one yeah. who is, oh, we've got to have all these electric vehicles, blah, 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 without any understanding at all of what it means to the disability community. Yeah, I've, and honestly, Lee, that's the first time I heard that today, that, that these, these cars, electric cars, are not adaptable for uh, to be modified for people who are disabled. Um, and that is... Another issue that we need to be talking about and Absolutely. working out a, a workaround on it. Uh, I want, am I taking a break now? Yeah, I'm gonna, I need to take a break now. Uh, we'll come back to this after these. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. I want to bring in Sheila now. Sheila, good afternoon. Hello, Katie. How are you? I've been listening to your programme and I think I was in touch with Lee many, many moons ago about another issue. Now, I have a daughter. She's just turned 41 and I looked after her. She has severe cerebral palsy and I looked after her for 40 years and six months and she's just recently gone into residential. And I gave up my job, obviously, when I had my daughter. And recently I applied for a pension and I was told I'm not entitled to one cent. Nothing. Nothing. I've been in touch with Heather Humphreys, who's the minister for that. She did say that she might bring one in next year, but that isn't much good to me now. I, my daughter went in last May and I was entitled to 12 weeks cares uh, until August. But since then, I haven't got one penny from the state for, or in recognition of looking after my daughter. And many, many other people are in the same boat. Ellen Coyne did an article recently in The Independent about it and highlighted it, but nothing has happened since at all. And so I think th- it's very, th- very unfair. So this is the, the contributory pension that, that other people, yeah, well, would, anyone yeah. who would have put up stamps over the years yeah. and full-time yeah. job. And you say, of course, you had not just a full-time job, a 24-7 job for, course, for 40 years. Right, yeah. Katie. Yes, indeed. And not one cent am I entitled to. There's just no recognition for carers. Absolutely none. It's a fight a day. Now, I'm very, very happy with my daughter's residential place. We had to fight very hard for that. We were actually on a primetime programme about that. We had Louise Byrne down here for a day. Now, it took years to get it built, and it lay idle for five years, and there are five wheelchair people in it now, and it's working out really well. But that was fighting for years to get that built. And, you know, when I, when I hear from people like yourself, Sheila, and I've, I've done stories on it myself over the years, like the amount of money you have saved this country over those 40 years by stepping in and stepping up and taking on the full-time care of your daughter. Yeah. 
willingly and happily. But I couldn't go into my career. I was a teacher. I couldn't go into my career because of it. And I don't begrudge one second of what I did for my daughter. I adore her. But I just, there's no recognition. And I, and, and I was listening to Lee just now and the others. I've, Lee fought for me for years for something else, probably for therapies or something. I can't even remember it. But it's a fight a day. It literally is a fight a day. For everything, you, you have to fight for everything. Oh, it's, it's, it's just endless. I even was very ill about three years ago when I called. It was all the stress of what I've gone through, you know? I know. I know, I know. I, and I'm just look, watching the clock. I, I just want to bring in as many people because yeah. we're getting a lot of people yeah. in who want to uh, talk about this. Very quickly, John. John? Thank you. Katie, Thanks how are you? Me. Very, no, I only have a minute, John, but you wanted that's to... That's okay. I'm disgusted and embarrassed and furious that this lady has been asked to pay 23000 of that for something that's an absolute essential for her. She's an, a citizen just like you and me, Katie. We don't have a disability. She needs this. She doesn't need to be asked to pay a stupidly small sum of money by the state that has crippled her financially. That's all I got. I'm, I'm disgusted by it. And the people in Dunleary, if it's not for everybody, it's for nobody. It's, you, can't put in, you can't put in a, a, a for sum in a statement and, and everybody, it's, it's grand for everybody. It's, it's not good enough in 2023. That's, that's all I have to say. Fair play to you, John. Fair play to you. And in the last minute, Lee, what are you going to do? What are you going to do next now to, to with this? Well, I don't bill? think the ball is in my court at the moment. I think that the ball is in the government's court right now. Um, I will keep on highlighting this. I will keep on embarrassing them. I will, like I said, I've already had several offers on Facebook at the moment of people willing to come up and protest outside the ball with me and chain themselves to the railings if we need to. I don't want to do that. It's the middle of winter and I'm we, not we, stupid. We definitely don't want you to be doing that. But, uh, um, I will if I need to. I did it in 2012. I was one of the overnight protesters in 2012. I know what it's like and I will do it again. And it's not only for me, but it's for anybody else with a significant disability who wants to be independent, who wants to drive and who is being penalised for having a disability. The other thing that I might say is I think it's hilarious that the government are penalising somebody who's a thalidomide survivor because Irish thalidomide survivors, the government, are falling over themselves to let the media know that... Oh, well, we're, we're going to support them and we're going to do this well, that's we're a, going to do well, that. Well, you know what, Lee, that's well, another... I don't that, fall under the Irish system, yeah, but, but I'm still a thalidomide survivor. Indeed, and I said that's another long day's story, uh, the government's approach here to the thalidomide survivors, but that's all we have time for. I have to take my last break. Thanks, Lee. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815.